If I was reading and reviewing a meta-analysis and someone said, we used Google Scholar for our main database search, I'd be like, I'd be like, oh, hang on, hang on, hang on a minute. Um, because it doesn't give you that sort of control and the kind of control that you want for a systematic review only comes from these databases like PubMed. Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana and I'm from the University of Oslo and I'm here with James Heathers from Northeastern University. James, how are you going? I'm 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 well, Daniel. I am, you moved uh, you moved you moved house. Yes, I moved house. This is the uh, I'm in the new Hertz quarters. Yes, we are. Ah, yeah, love it, that, love it. That particular concatenation is staying. Um, I even have we have, we have a lot more room now. Um, I even have the facility to build myself a small podcasting space that's actually here, so I can do more lovely, lovely things. Uh, and if you're on the Patreon, don't worry. I'm I'm paying for that. It's my dumb. It's my dumb idea. So um, this is uh, that's <laughs> that's something that I want rather than something that I need. But yes, I did. I did uh, move house. Well, as I like to think of it as house divorce. Dan, as the sudden house irreconcilable uh, situation of um, breaking up with a property in perpetuity. And because it's it's about as stressful as just, you know, much less permanent. Um, yeah, it was very hard. Uh, my parents were here. Because everyone moves in the same day in Boston. From, yeah, from everyone moves in the same day on August the 31st. Uh, all leases expire on, on September wasn't the 1st. That- all leases uh, take over again from scratch. So, August wasn't that the, the 31st same- is- um, is the I mean when I when I booked a U-Haul, I did it in March, and they were already telling me, oh, it might be hard to get you a van. Oh, let, me, <laughs> let me look through the back catalog. So the moment you know you're moving, you 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 book everything, and then you try and execute everything in a single day, a little bit like the French Revolution, and it's very difficult, and it's dirty, and it goes forever, and I hate it, and it happened. At the exact time the Meta Science Conference was on, um, which is the immediate aftermath, um, also while my parents were in town. So, it's all yeah, happening. so like, uh, yeah, but it, it all starts with uh, August the thirty first, which is the the day of pain. But from then until now has been just a long, slow march of trying to find the fucking screws that go in that table and other such tasks. <laughs> Yeah, you mentioned uh, MetaScience, uh, the MetaScience conference, yeah. which, which uh, recently happened. And gee, that looked super interesting. And yep. of course, being one of those conferences where oh, a lot of people were on Twitter, be, yeah. it was, yeah, it looked, it, looked, it looked really good. And it was one of those conferences where it was relatively easy to actually follow all the presentations. And look, there right. were some really so inter- I, I, interesting I, ones. Obviously, yeah, look, I was I was out of action for that. I feel oddly guilty that I didn't get to sort of like play along at home, the home gamer <laughs> version of MetaScience. But um, I was totally disconnected, like holding a box up a set of stairs. So it's really fucking weird to come back to stuff like that in retrospect. You know, everyone's keen about it at the time. They have all these discussions. And you, mm. you, you go back like- uh, like like Eddie Izzard's boy who's trying to understand hopscotch, you go back to like the painted <laughs> squares that are on the uh, on on the pavement and think, what happened here? 
Oh, I'm so glad it's recorded, though. I, I'm reliably informed that it's uh, recorded for posterity on video, which means mm. there's also audio, which means I can catch up with the vast majority of it, which I probably should catch up with, you know, and commute time, shit like that. If there's videos and no one's done that, we'll do it. We'll strip the audio out of that. I'm sure they won't mind. Ooh, this is an open yeah. science. Um, yeah. So, we'll audio audioify it if no one else is going to. Good, I'm volunteering good your time here, Daniel. Well, that's yeah. really easy. That's it's some FFM. That's very, we can, we really, can that. really generous of you. Um, no, uh, it's perfectly okay. Look, and, and I would say this to any listener who's out there. Like, any time you need any of Dan's time, just don't hesitate to ask me. I am. I'm. My calendar's out. Just open. It's free. Right. Go, go to town. Yeah. Same as your mouth, you gobby bastard. <laughs> go now, on. Then. We content. We're getting content. getting on track already. Well, we were able to follow. Um, well, I was able to follow, and and you've been able to follow in retrospect what was happening um, via via Twitter, and there were some really interesting things that came out. And for this episode, we want to cover. Um, two particular topics. Uh, the first one is this idea, and there was this is a presentation from Jevon West, who is on Twitter at at Jevon West. That's uh, one word, and we will put that on the show notes. And the gist of his presentation was that Google Scholar seems to be altering scholarly citation patterns, which has a whole bunch of implications. And in essence, it seems that citations seem to be getting more concentrated in that the same papers keep getting cited, uh, much like the Matthew effect. The rich or the people that already have the citations continue getting richer. And it seems that people are essentially citing whatever papers come up first. People have a research question. They're curious about something. They type it into the old Google Scholar and whichever paper comes up first, bam, that gets cited. So, there's a lot to cover here, but I want to get your initial thoughts on this, James. My initial thoughts are if you know how that algorithm works, then it seems like that is a symptom of lazy citation practices rather than the fact that the algorithm is leading us all astray. If you pop open Google Scholar and you stick in emotions, toenails, biosignals, and the first thing that comes up <laughs> will do, and then you click the cite button out of Scholar and cite that, um, mm. you just fly buying it anyway. So, how, how much of that provides later evidence that the right appropriate citations are being ignored? And how much of it is uh, evidence that um evidence that there's a, a deeper problem at work? That's the, the the first question. There there may already be an answer to that. I'm sure there's someone out there in the world going, "Oh, you fucking ignorant pig! We already know the answer <laughs> to that." Well, I I don't know the answer to that. So, yeah, I mean that's obviously. I, I remember doing that as a PhD student, and then and feeling hugely guilty as I'm a chronic overreader. It's like, oh, it's mm. been mentioned. This particular thing has been mentioned in this particular context. Google, find paper, click cite, append citation. <sighs> That was naughty. I should not have done that. Um, but I wonder how many people are doing it in perpetuity. If you've ever seen a citation that, that had some vague, plausible relationship to where it was cited, and then you've looked it up and gone, that doesn't make a lick of sense. Yeah, that's that's probably one of them. Um, I, well, I, I see that a bit. 
look, all the other databases, I mean, there's something, there's a certain case of, you know, well, okay, I'm not particularly surprised you get what you pay for. Google Scholar is, I don't know how that's supported. Presumably it costs some money to run. I don't think uh, any grant granting institution is paying for it. I think Google do it because they like us. Um, I'm not sure how the cost structure works, but I'm pretty sure they're not selling it collectively to everyone. So what are the alternatives? The alternatives are databases that are locked down tighter than Dan's jeans and you have to pay for access and they may not be complete themselves. So if, if, if this is going into the environment of the freest and most open of a bad lot, then I don't know. I hope the criticism of that is tempered because you can, of course, continue to look past the first page of search results. I don't think anyone's- Whoa, 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 calm, calm, calm down. I don't think anyone's coming around to your house after you put something into Scholar, hitting you on the back of the hand with a toffee hammer and making you cite the most popular thing. Um, the, the, if, there's, if there's a solution when it comes to keyword matching and shit like that, I, I wonder if people who chose the right keywords end up with these papers that become oddly successful. You know what I mean? Because look, there's always going to be a fact. I mean, you 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 often search things on the basis of well, how much attention's been paid to it. If everyone else says it's fine, then it's probably okay. Which, as you'd be aware from some of my work, Daniel, is not always the goddamn <laughs> case, is it? So, I mean, I have a series of questions about that. Maybe we should get this guy on and literally everything I've just said has been totally presupposed by this research, and I am in fact a pig ignorant, dumb southern bastard. <laughs> no, no, not a bad idea. Uh, look, I, I think a lot of the a lot of the criticism or a lot of the debate around this was this idea that the algorithm is is closed. Uh, you mentioned before that um, a lot of these databases are locked down, so the databases themselves are locked down. But do we actually know are these other databases? Do they have open algorithms? Do we know? Oh God, people no. Just, no, 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 yeah, so, no, so, no, so, no, so, no. So why so why are we picking absolutely on? Absolutely not. So why are we picking on, on on Google when it comes to to their algorithm? Well, one uh, of, the, one of the, a cynical answer to that, Dan, would be that the whole thing is an open enough platform to allow you to do the research in the first place to determine that the bias exists. Because I mean, there's lots, there's lots and lots of um, what are, what are some of the other citation databases? Um, uh, Bing, there's a there's a Microsoft Academic, I think, is I don't even know what it's called. It shows you how much I know about it. So there's a Microsoft alternative, and if, I've had a, I've spoke to a few people who have actually swear that it's better than Google Scholar. I, I don't I don't know how you the Bing you, one. you, you Bing judge is, that. Bing is good. Bing is Bing is good. Well, um, I mean, obviously, there's um, the, the I think Web Web of Science counts as counts as that, right? It definitely is, but once um, again, uh, you need institutional access. Of course, there's the, the, there's PubMed, uh, and you can find your papers through there. There's the European equivalent as well. Um, but look, coming back to this, sorry, whole what's idea, the European equivalent? Pubay. Uh, oh, I, 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 the name. PubMed. Look, that was that was a bad impression. Look, I don't even know I don't that know. was an impression of. Um, the, I don't know. What's I don't the story know with open citations these days as well? I mean, that was that was a, a thing for a while. I don't know how they're doing. With it's what? A, the um, open open citations, the the project. I don't know. I've never heard of it. Doesn't oh. mean it is not good. 
Um, okay. So I, I, now, oh, jeez, I don't even know how to access it. Christ, I feel like I'm yeah. getting old. Um, they have like tons and tons and tons of it's a, it's an aggregator for uh, bibliographic everything. I think it's uh, like links, cross links, etc. You know? Yeah. Works okay. with DOIs. Oh, man. Why are, we so thing- Why are there so many things to know now? Everything used to be so simple. Just plug think- it into SPSS. Cry. I think this comes back to the reason that we don't know these other search engines is that Google Scholar is just so damn good. It it's is ubi- easy. It is ubiquitous. It's easy. It? it is super, super easy. It gives you exactly what you want. Uh, it doesn't have too many features. Um, it tells you exactly how many people have cited a paper, how to find those. You can search within the citations. Uh, you can find different versions of papers and Instant most search importantly- within citations. I imagine that when you're doing meta uh, analysis oh. stuff, just the ability to, especially if you've got to cross-check things that have happened, find it's everything so that's good. always cited that and you well, we've only got 20 articles, but let's just sort of snowball out a bit and make sure we've got every oh, goddamn yeah. one. Clickety-click- Search in article citing. You can immediately start layering things, and it's it's all one click. So yeah, look. So you, you, what you're saying is the ubiquity is partly a function of the fact that it's reasonably well designed, in your opinion. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is as well is that it also automatically links if you have a preprint or an author accepted version of your manuscript. Google does its magic and links that PDF to the search term. So, even if the paper is behind a paywall, mm, yeah. if you've posted your thing on OSF, BioArchive, your own personal website, it'll find it. And that's amazing. No other search engine does- probably doesn't do this. Um, I don't know whether Bing doesn't do, does or doesn't do this, but this is this is an amazing way of actually opening up, opening up science. Because you can easily find the papers even if they're behind paywalls and it's completely legal. Yeah. Um, you, you also find Google, the, that particular crawler, however that works. And also, if you put that PDF on your educational resources, perfectly okay, personal academic homepage, it will hoover up the goddamn PDF and stick it in that as a version. Yeah. And if it's an accessible version, it will prioritize the one from Engineering 3201 from the College of Lower Moose Bowls, Canada, over yeah. the PubMed link that's locked, which means that you, yeah. you're, you're in a continual state of giving people seamless access to the most accessible version of the content. I mean, hopefully it's right. Obviously, the- Some- uh, <laughs> always, so, hopefully it's right. Some people um, have abused this and, they've, and they've, they've made a note that they've basically put up a paper on their personal website which has cited themselves and overnight they've boosted the H-index. Obviously, that's dishonest, um, but it, it shows you that there are, are some limitations to, to, to this. That, well, that's also, that but that's also a little bit like plagiarism, Dan, is that you have to commit the crime in full public view. Full public, yeah, everyone and can say that you're- it has to a- stay in perpetuity until- for, for, for it to actually be any good. I mean, imagine applying for a job where people actually go and read your publications. They put the scholar profile in, they click <laughs> the first link and they go, hang Uh-oh. on a second, that doesn't have 25 citations or if it does have 25 citations, four of them appear to be PDFs he wrote himself ripping off a little golden book that just happened <laughs> to cite this paper. Yeah. 
so you know, look like any 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 crime. There's like sunlight is a great disinfectant. This is why I'd love to do more work with plagiarism when it comes for error detection, but it's just so process driven. You know, mm. the, the the sort of the, the mathematical challenge of reverse engineering stuff is not there. You find something, it has a degree of similarity. You take a big stick, you hit the person. Yeah. In a nice, appropriate way, obviously. You don't actually go around to the house and do the second page search results toffee hammer business. We want to no. save our toffee hammers for where they're useful, Daniel. Um, Delicious toffee. Obviously, there is a much broader conversation to be had right now about how algorithms influence behavior, Mm. right? And how how we filter information that we access is introducing bias and shaping what people eventually think. The problem with having a really good informed opinion on that is I don't have the slightest idea what the drawback is for someone being I mean if if you're doing this kind of search if you put yourself in the position of an academic who is writing an academic document and is looking for the most appropriate reference uh is is that first canonical overexposed reference the most appropriate? Is it the one that's got the most general terms? Is it the widest review paper? I'm sure all of this stuff's actually in the presentation, but I mean, I don't know how to to disentangle the causality of like that one has a hundred citations or that one has four. I mean, it it also depends on how, how the, the, the disciplinary focus of what you're doing. Um, no, no one knows what the secret source is and that is that seems to be a lot of the issue is that why how can we leave this important sort of endeavor of citing and right stuff to a secret to algorithm from a private company secret, yeah yeah but the yeah. and, and people are people are raging about this well it's an excellent question I'm, i i i'm going to be a bit contrarian here not not for the sake of it because i th- i don't know if i'm completely missing it but isn't it better that we don't know what the algorithm is Imagine if there was a group of scholars, there was, yeah, I've seen all this crazy stuff about secret psychology societies. Imagine if there was a secret bunch of scholars that someone at Google was like, hey, you know, he hands them a USB stick and some CD alley. Here is the algorithm. And imagine if a bunch of scholars actually knew exactly how to get their papers rising to the top. This would be horrible. This would be completely unfair. And then people would be, um, completely rejigging their papers in an effort to get their things. It's CEO, or you know, it, it's like 1997. SEO, SEO, yeah, yeah. There, there you go. SEO all over again. So I actually think it is a good thing that the algorithm, the, 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 one of the most secret things, is Google's main search algorithm. Yeah, yeah. Like that thing is so super secret. So I'm sure they're using some sort of variant of it for Google Scholar search. That thing is so damn locked down. And I think that's a good thing. Um, so even though we don't know how Google is making these decisions, what things go in? Is it is it a keyword thing? Is it what's in the title? Is it abstract? Is it some sort of network effect? No idea. But I think that's a good thing. Hmm. Okay. Do you, you, okay. What, you, you what about a, what about a secret algorithm that's not owned by a massive for-profit company? who are increasingly becoming known for their 
substantial disinterest in ethical behavior in general. Whatever happened to that, whatever, like, there was, what was the the motto? Don't be a prick. Don't kick old ladies. I can't remember. Do do no evil. (laughs) Do no evil. What? No, that was one of the three worst monkeys. That that's their motto. Do no evil. What? That's no, Google's what? motto. No, that's what the, the, that's a see no evil, do no evil. It's a, the, the thing. Hippies no, 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 get no, no. like plastic no, no, monkeys no. that do that at the front of their it's, house. It's 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 their motto. Do no evil. I'm why, googling. While you, go, while, while you go Google Google Google's motto, <laughs> do no evil. Ha! It's don't be evil. Don't be evil. Ah, it's super close. This motto. Close oh, enough. look at that! This motto is sometimes incorrectly stated as do no evil. <laughs> There we go. Pre- presupposing. Uh, okay. Uh, t- ba- 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 you know, and you know how I found that? I Googled it. <laughs> ba- back back to your point, all things equal, I would much prefer a super secret algorithm to be in the hands of a nonprofit who has the interests of academia. Uh, look, Google obviously has this service for free. They're not charging for it. It's not going to be cheap. Um, because it was essentially started, um, that, that is the spirit of Google, it was started by computer scientists who understand uh, the importance of academia and of, of, of a- a- academic research. So, it is sort of their, their way of giving back to the community and I'm sure is that, all the scholars- Are you sure that's correct? It that sounds what? suspiciously nice. I like to check the fine print of people claiming stuff like that. Look, I, why else would it be for free? There's been, there's been no- Maybe they're know, collecting data on you personally. Pro- probably. Yeah, because they, they, they link it with my Google account. Look, they're, they're probably serving me ads somehow um, in, in some enormous long play. Have, because you, it ever, is to ha- have you ever been sold meta-analysis software in a, in a never. search header? They're, they're <laughs> I have I, I never so have. many ad blockers now that I have no idea what the algorithm actually is. But um, because I, I do my wife shopping on my Amazon, it can t- I was in a meeting the other day and an Amazon alert popped up and it tried to sell mm. me a bra. That took some explaining. <laughs> no, it's because it's, it's, it's the best place. It's the best place to get once you found a brand that she likes. So, this is a thing. Oh, buy me one of those. Okay. Yep. No problem. There we go. And then- um, The, al- the, the uh, algorithm's working. Yeah. The algorithm's working perfectly. It just assumes that I have a strong interest in this particular brand of Brazier. Um, I can't remember what it is, but um, <laughs> apparently they're fantastic. So, this is- I, I, have, no, I have no tips- um, <laughs> what would you would you change anything about Google Scholar? I mean, you talk about it being a part of the community, etc. Community service. You're part of the community, sort of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so on the fringes. What would you? What would you? What would you change? Ah, uh, that is um, that's a good question. Um, of course, it's I a good question. I think it would be better to make it clearer. Um. To make it clearer, what is peer-reviewed and not peer-reviewed research? Not that, not 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 that I care as much, but I think for the general public who tend to use Google Scholar, um, to actually be really clear, what is a preprint, what isn't a preprint, what's what's peer-reviewed, what's not peer-reviewed. Um, but there isn't that much I would really change. I mean, more sort of under the hood stuff like being able to save particular searches, for instance. Um, but look, it hasn't been something I've thought carefully about because generally speaking, um, 
look, it'd be nice if you were able to say you did a particular search topic um, and you had more control, m- much like you can do searches or very specific searches on PubMed, PubMed where you can say, I want all papers between these years with these keywords. You can, you can do that in Google Scholar, but as far as I know, there's no way that you can actually export them to like a, like a CSV file. For mm. instance. Okay. It's very good, easy. It's very good, good presupposition. One of the things that PubMed does really well is allow you to export uh, citations by year, huge chunks of things, save it as a local file, etc. Now, if you're doing any kind of meta-analysis, which is how I'll be saying it from now on, because I just thought that would be funny, or a systematic review, or you're trying to get familiar with an area in a hurry, and you want to save something at a particular time, at a particular date, I don't mm. know if you can fully export uh, a bag of citations and save it locally. If there's a way in doing that, I haven't actually discovered what it is. Um, I like your idea for a button that says include preprints um, mm. or include include or like gray literature and stuff as well. Is um, That's its strength. Well, yeah, it also, it's obviously, and you know, my position on that is obviously well known by now by most people who've been within screaming distance for the last several years. So I would probably keep that button checked. But when it when it comes to more controversial topics, I, there's, there's a strong possibility that that could winnow out a lot of horse shit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, would, I, would, I would change a couple of uh, – I would change a couple of things. Yeah. When you click the citation button – you get the laid out text of the actual citation. You don't actually get a citation file straight away. No, you do. You do. This this feature already exists. No, 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 no. That's it's a two it's a two click feature. Ah, you want a one click. I yeah, would yeah. Like okay, to, okay. I would like to be able to go through long lists of things and go save it, save it, save it, save it, save it, save it. Because otherwise, either you have to save them individually. Um, or you have to. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You have to go open up the thingy, find oh, the right it, format. There is a way around that. The thingy. Well, indeed, the modern man strikes again. What's the way around that? Uh, say you have a page of citations okay, or a page yeah. of, that, that you would like to cite. Uh, get the Zotero plugin. Click the plugin, and a little box will come up, and you get to click or tick out of the references on this page which ones we like to save, and it'll hoover them all up. Well, well, well. Okay, I guess I have to go back to Zotero now. I don't even know what reference manager I use anymore. I think it's all of them. <laughs> a, a, a napkin. Um, no, that, that, that happens from time to time. Oh, look, here's, here's one that's on my personalized. The recommend, I must say this about Google Scholar. It was a while yeah. um, before I, I bitch too much about things that I want. If I go to the top recommended articles for things that, uh, it would want to show me personally. Yeah. Yeah. The top recommended articles are phenomenally good. I agree. They're um, bang on for me too. They are absolutely precisely right. Look, he, I'll just read out some of the 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 authors here. I've just opened mine. It's just to show you how good it is at aggregating this stuff. It goes Tom Hardwick's. Uh, Empirical Assessment of Transparency and Reproducibility Related Research, 2014 to 2017. It was the, the uh, recent um, preprint with um, Ian Edison Powell's. 
Um, Chris Hartgerink's recent paper on statistical fabrication detection using statistical tools. Um, more Tom Hardwick. Uh, a bunch of directly relevant HIV stuff. Uh, a bunch of stuff on virtual reality. A bunch of stuff on engineering. Um, more... Uh, some re broader reproducibility stuff for individual fields, like can we do this here? Um, one of Samin's papers, uh, some Italian HRV research, Solid. which is it's obviously Solid. showing me that because it knows at some point in time I want to beat it with a hammer. Um, yeah, this is um, – then, then there's one of yours, synthetic data sets, hey. non-technical hey. primer for making up shit. Yeah, there you go. But it's scarily Daniel accurate. Santiago Ruiz de Quintana. Mine, yeah. I've mine decided are, that's your full name. Go with it. Really, <laughs> mine are really accurate as well. Uh, but, but at the same time, um, even though everyone uses it, it's still, I don't think, at least my sense is it can't be taken seriously. It's weird. Okay. Let me put it this way. If I was reading and reviewing a meta-analysis and someone said, we used Google Scholar, for our main database search, okay. I'd be like, I'd be like, well, hang on, hang on, hang on a minute. Um, because it doesn't give you that sort of control and the kind of control that you want for a systematic review only comes from these databases like PubMed, Web of Science, and the European equivalent, which I can't remember. Europe PMC, I think that's what it's called. Oh, All yes. Right. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, that, that, that one's good because it includes um, PubMed plus other stuff. So, always do meta-analysis in Europe PMC because it gets the whole bunch. But let me put it this way. So, if me as a meta-analysis person and other people would poo-poo on the idea of people using Google Scholar for meta-analysis, hmm. then why is it suddenly cool to use it in other- I mean, look, when, you, when you're looking up a topic, every single search you do isn't going to be a meta-analysis. But does that say something? That we don't take it seriously for, you know, you can't do mesh terms if you want to do a really sort of deep dive like you would on PubMed if you're so inclined. Um, I don't know, but maybe it just fulfills different functions. It definitely does for me. When I want to do the quick search, fire up Google Scholar, bam, there you go. How do I okay. do a thing? Well, I think your meta-analysis question is better directed to someone else who has emotional difficulties and does that for money. <laughs> um I'm I'm not sure. I always assumed that there was either I always assumed that was a matter of like winnowing out things that weren't particularly important. It's because you you want to you, you're going to get so many appropriate search terms anyway. The last thing you want to do is inflate the kind of stuff that you have to attend to. But that is just a pure that's a wild ass guess on my part. But That's I think actually it's it's down to you. It's extremely difficult to reproduce an analysis. Sorry, to reproduce a search on a Google Scholar. Often what I'll do as a reviewer, someone sends me a thing going, we put these search terms into PubMed um, and we got we got 100 hits. I'm like, okay, is that right? It seems a bit suspicious. Mm -hmm. I'll do the exact same thing. I'll get 5,000 hits. And I'm like, hmm. Huh? That's interesting. This has happened a few times where okay. I'm in the review. I write back to them going, I, I don't know. I, I write back to them and they're like, oh, yeah. So, it turns out our original search terms um, were, were a little bit different and the, 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 the dates and the terms that we used, here is the correct one. I'm like, gee, that's quite a mistake to make because uh, if anyone else is reviewing the paper and they want to reproduce the analysis, quite often what's popular in meta-analysis is doing an update. So, someone did it 
2005, you know, a few years later, you want to do the same thing. Obviously, you don't want to duplicate or get any crossover. So, what you do is you use the exact same search terms and then you limit that for your new meta-analysis. So, you're not doing any duplications there. But if you can't reproduce the original one properly, look, this is getting into the nitty-gritty. But what it really means is- No, no, um, it's interesting to hear how you parasitic people go about your healthy (laughs) business. I, what, I can't what's believe people using open uh, open data sets and requesting data to do their own analyses get the whole uh, general data kind of, the parasitic kind of milieu and people who write meta analyses. I mean, you have to be something worse. You have to be tapeworms or something. Tapeworms, yeah. <laughs> no, it's like a particularly bad kind of parasite. Straighten your straighten your colon. The, yeah, so it, it, it comes down to it, it comes down to can you reproduce the analysis and with Google is, is that a problem? No, I, I don't, maybe for meta analysis it is, but for other types of search, uh, it doesn't. And it, it comes back to this thing that I always come back to um, is the reduction of friction. Google Scholar makes it su- super easy. SciHub is mm. incredibly popular because even though I have access to ninety nine percent of the papers I want to get access to, it is so much quicker. To put into SciHub. Now I'm seeing on our on our Slack channels, rather mm-hmm. than people people sending us papers, they're sending us the SciHub link because it's just yep. so much quicker because and it's, so much because easier. It's one click. Because the moment it recognizes oh. your IP, it manages to sort its it manages to sort its bullshit out. Um, I had a paper that I couldn't find the other day while I was at. Obviously, this becomes much more seamless when you're at a university. You have an identifiable IP as being at the university, sure. and the library thing is integrated with the browser. Um, so but it's still a few clicks. It's the, still a few clicks, the though. The vast majority of the time. Yeah, I wonder how many, when you take a really good full-service university, how's your father? Our library has all the appropriate database access. It, it all comes up as like, I, I will click on a journal and will say access provided at Northeastern University at the top. I wonder how many people in situations where they have that access are still using SciHub because it's very slightly easier. Many. Yeah. Yeah, for many. sure. The, those, those. Are, yeah, fuck. I said this years ago, man. This is. Uh, I, 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 I still find people like every couple of months, someone says this with a, a, a kind of a, a breathless. Did you know? Did you know <laughs> that the popularity of this may be, to some extent, due entirely to the fact that it unfucks the bad service rather than the fact that it um. <laughs> Rather than the fact that people are locked out of stuff, I go, yeah, I literally wrote a three and a half thousand word piece about exactly that in early 2016. Nostradamus. No, it's not. It's not. It's no bold prediction. This is. I, I get no clever points for that. As much as I love claiming them, it's a really, really obvious problem. If you look at the access to any other online resource. Computer mm. games, music, right? Make it easy, make it cheap. Yeah. I yeah. still think if someone came up, if the publishers banded together, it's never going to happen, and said, all right, we, we, we have created Netflix for papers. Netflix has done a lot to really stem the tide of, of, of torrenting because it's relatively cheap and it's much easier than, than futzing around trying to find a bloody torrent of your, of your favorite show. You may as well pay the 10 bucks a month because it's so much easier. If the publishers somehow get together and go, look, we've got a really easy service. Like we're like SciHub, but it works and it's legal, and we pay ten bucks a month. I would pay that out of my own pocket easily. Ten bucks yeah. a month for like, you know, full featured SciHub, but a little bit nicer. Done. 
everything is solved. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, obviously, this is there's there's no. I mean, what what do people expect? You just get access. It's not like you 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 get to save all the links that you accessed. Obviously, you don't get to do that, right? You, there's no there's no version control. There's no um there's no kind of dashboard. There's no search, yeah. right? And and you say, well, the front page has got a search thing that you stick stuff into. I've tried that, and it doesn't work very yeah. well. You, you need the DOI, which yeah. which yeah. So I, I have I, mean, I have a theory that um that journals are going to start hiding and making it much harder to get DOIs from from their main pages. No, because they you you can't you can't possibly think that's a good idea. I don't, I don't think it's a good idea. That, but I think journals will start doing that. that. No, sorry, I don't I don't think I don't think they're going to do that. I think that's okay. absolutely ridiculous. I think I I, th- I think they will because people. Uh, there are some times that I look for a DOI and I feel the journal has made it really hard for me to find it. Oh, that, like, that often happens. It's hidden in a drop-down menu with a thing on yeah. the side and you click something yeah, yeah, and it yeah. goes to a sidebar and then you have to answer a brief question from a wizard and then eventually yeah. when you figure out it was two ducks all along, it will let you have the fucking <laughs> DOI. Yeah, and yeah, I'm so frustrated. I'm thinking, gee, it's like they're trying to make it hard and I'm like, oh, they're trying to make it hard. Because of people who are trying to strip the DOI to go to Sci Hub, but that, that, that's they're, a real they're conspiracy already, stuff. They're already elsewhere. Dan. For, already- for more conspiracy stuff, uh, make sure you subscribe to to Patreon, where we've got a <laughs> a lot of conspiracies going. We have there. no conspiracies on our Patreon. You just oh, that's just some ham-fisted segue into the James, fact that we need money to pay the, the server bills and shit. Don't you remember the thing that happened last episode? Where of I not. think I was. Yeah, don't you remember? The, uh, Look, there's no point looking at me with that vacant expression, yeah. well, slightly more <laughs> vacant than usual expression. I don't remember. The the academic review scam. Oh, well, I think that I was scammed into reviewing a paper. And I think- Oh, oh right. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes, that was asinine. Um, funny, but I, yeah. It could be a clerical mistake, or it could be a thinly veiled plot to trick you into doing things, Dan. It's a it's a plot to trick me, but, but we're going to get back to that. If there were more of those, we'd get more content. Oh, yeah. we've done it as per usual. Oh, we're we'll, totally we'll, off topic. Let me get wheels a are coming glass off. of let me get a glass of water and let's try let's and stay a-, a little bit more focused. Go on, we'll say your thing about the break. We're going to be back again soon with more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> More opinions. If two hertz episodes per month isn't enough for you, you can hear an additional bonus episode by becoming an Everything Hurts patron for only $5 a month. If you can't swing the $5 but still want to support the show financially, we also have a $1 per month tier, which gives you access to a monthly newsletter. All of your financial support goes directly back into the show. If you want to support the show non-financially, we'd love it if you could leave an iTunes review or share links to the episodes on social media. Now, let's get back to it. Welcome back to Everything Hurts. Uh, This episode, we are talking about some topics that were raised at the recent uh, MetaScience conference and the second one that i want to tackle is something that was mentioned by a former guest uh, and friend of the show dorothy bishop 
And uh, she did a talk, which uh, I'd love to see the video of when, 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 it, when it comes online. Um, and part of the talk, she suggests something which is uh, quite provocative. Um, but it's one of those things when you really think about it, you're like, oh, okay, maybe she's got a good point. And the idea is that authors should be limited to publishing or submitting only two publications per year. Hmm. Oh, what a, in a, in a, a break with tradition, you always ask me what I think of things, which is ridiculous because I don't really have thoughts as much as poorly aggregated series of noises. Why yeah. don't you tell me what you think of that, you hyper-prolific little man? Uh, look, this really gets to the point that in our current system, we are rewarded for the pure volume of papers that we're doing. Because everyone's time poor, because people um, grant grant funding institute grant funding foundations institutions, the whole system is time poor and can't actually read the papers to determine the quality of papers. So the best proxy, or a much better or easier proxy, is pure numbers. Uh, within a grant application, it's much easier to say I have published X amount of papers over the past few years, where it takes uh, pages to actually describe. This paper is actually really important because of X, Y, Z. Uh, and because of this, uh, it's really driven an arms race where people are competing, in a sense, to publish the most amount of papers over a given period. Uh, you know, harking back to a conversation on Google Scholar. Um, <laughs> you- harking. <laughs> harking. Harking. Uh, it's very easy to actually see. Um, the, the the number of publications people are doing per year because the year is quite prominent. So, you can take a quick look. You can see, wow, this person has been a busy little bee. And we reward people who are publishing a lot. And I think the downside of this, well, definitely the downside of this, is this is probably at the expense of quality in that, firstly, it encourages salami slicing because rather than doing one special important paper, our incentives have rewarded us or our incentives are pushing us to salami slice and get more uh, more outputs from from, from, from from a given data set or, 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 or whatever. And this is not good for science. Science would be much better off if we were doing better quality papers uh, than just a pure avalanche of papers. And a policy like Dorothy has suggested um, would go a long way. And uh, looking at this, I'm like, two, I'm like, Gee, that's 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 not much at all. Uh, but then again, if I'm not a teaching academic, uh, so maybe if you're a teaching ac- academic, then that makes a lot of sense. Um, but regardless, whether it's two, whether it's four, whether it's five, this idea of putting a limit down would really make you think: What am I going to publish this year? And it would completely remove salami slicing because you would just go, "Yep, I'm going to put all this stuff, as much stuff as possible, su- supplementary." Information would be uh, would, would be enormous because people are putting stuff through, but I think this would maybe if you maybe if the need for peer reviewing was substantially reduced and they were better quality, people actually fucking read the supplementary information. No, yeah, no one pe- people get surprised when I when I review going oh. Uh, page seven of your supplement. Uh, I didn't understand this, and they're like, the, the, you can almost see the surprise that I actually read the thing. Um, but that, that doesn't really happen. But like like I said. This is a symptom or this is a reflection of the current system which reflects pure volume 
over quality. I don't know how we're going to fix it. I don't know how we're going to fix this idea of forcing people to actually improve or to force people to read papers on their own merits. But if there was some sort of system which actually did this, um, then this would go some way to actually improving the quality of work. Heathers, your thoughts? I think you're very pretty. <laughs> more, more than that. T- tell us some truth. Mm, okay. Um, this isn't a new idea. I think it's at least five years ago. Uh, David Colquhoun, who is a British academic, who is oh yeah, I know, I know, I know, David. Yeah, I mean, he's been he's on the, he's on the he's on the twirts. He's definitely on the twirls. Um, he is a he is a gentleman of advanced years, and I think he came out with this as a provocative proposal. Um. Oh God! It's it's several it's several years ago. It's not a new idea. Um, the fact that it's being seriously proposed by a well-respected senior academic at a conference in a platform presentation is more interesting than the kind of mechanics of how to get it to work. So, like in the in the in the spirit of splitting everything into the pissy details immediately, but you you like well, what what counts as a paper? Um, is it uh, a commentary? Is it an opinion piece? Is it an editorial? Is it et cetera, yep, et cetera? Yep, yep. So I'm going to make the assumption that um, because that every editor in the world is now confined to one editorial a year and then <laughs> there, there goes one of your papers, <laughs> Sunshine, the other one better be a fucking cracker. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm assuming that this means empirical papers. I'm assuming sure. this means research work stuff. Um, in a in a with with a material difference to sort of commentary, um, that is you can see why you 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 can see why we'd want to try this. You know what I mean? You can you can see why it would exist as a proposal in the first place. I wonder if. I, I wonder how you're going to do it. I think of everything in terms of like, okay, well, that's 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 fun, right? Let's deploy boots, saddles, and bayonets. Let's see if we can fuck this shit up. So, the first people who are going to have a major objection to that is any journal that makes money on volume. If you have mm. a uh, if you have a per article publication cost, then more articles is more top line. Yep. Um, and that's the, the the expansion of the expansion of that has is a primary driver of lots of publications. It's very much in the interests of people who are paid every time you publish to continue to publish as much of your stuff as possible. Grant institutions may may want more. Uh, they, they, may be sli- they might be slightly keener on it because they you're you're giving credence to what's happening in the first place. You're not spending lots of their money on publication fees. Um, then what what you fund the central works that come out of uh, what you've had funded by them is really is like substantive. Um, I don't know if they have internal metrics that that would improve. I suspect it would to some degree increase at least the seriousness of 
what happens when they give you money and you turn money into information. People who are, I mean, it would obviously increase the length of papers, whereas now sure. it was a pre- uh, previously what would have been maybe a two or three paper series um, would now be one very substantial paper and not the kind of, not the bullshit social psych. We did seven <laughs> experiments and they all magically turned out to be correct. On point, this point in, oh three. Incredibly all, thin. All seven. Yeah incredibly thin phenomena where everything just manages to limp into arbitrary success with it, with enough mturkey you can you can you can make anything uh yeah so i mean obviously if you with with that kind of model in mind i mean it i i guess this is change this is changing how we understand what what a, what a paper is supposed to represent like is it supposed to exist above a certain bar of quality. If I publish 10 papers a year uh, and they're they're all in the uh, Minnesota Journal of Who Cares, right? Sorry, people from Minnesota, but you you live essentially in Mad Max with snow. Sorry about <laughs> that. Um, if, if I publish 10 of those a year, no one's going to give a shit. But 10, 10 papers in what's vaguely acceptable is, is supposed to be a good thing. Sure. Right. Um, but obviously, it adds more credence to any individual paper being published, um, and the amount of review that has to go into any given one means that you can't. You know, it's like the 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 consequences for any given manuscript not becoming one of your special papers is um is is really is really problematic. So, well, we're going to do two major research projects this year that are supposed to result in two major documents, right? And then one of them gets reviewed and it takes a very long time and it ends up not getting published. Um, that is, uh, I'm pretty sure there's, there's scenarios where that's not really saving resources at all. Um, for more substantial documents, you would have to have a system where the reviews, the, the content, the previous thoughts, follow it around like a bad smell so other people can see what they are in future. It's sort of it, happening already, but it's not formalized that much. Yeah, it would be a lot more necessary if any given paper was much more substantial and contained much more substantive You'd need information. To do that. You, you absolutely would have to. So, honestly, I don't, I don't like or dislike this proposal i i i i like the idea that it's at the center of it which is we we need a better proxy for quality that's not number of words in order divided by manuscripts times fucking whatever else it it, it's 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 putting the, the the individual documents themselves on a pedestal um, it's also, I mean, it doesn't even really feel like a radical proposal anymore. Um, I mean, sure? my, well, my, my radical proposal, Dan, is not having fucking papers at all, but having yeah, something, yeah, that, something that, that, that's, that's radical. <laughs> something, something that's actually a, a multi-threaded interactive environment where you get to put conclusions in order over time, where old things can be updated and it has version control. It's something like that on a proper backbone. I mean, building something like that was capable of being used worldwide. It's just the most phenomenally unpleasant <laughs> amount of like your web development team would have to be substantial and awesome. Um, so yeah, I'll knock one of those up in my spare time. Um, <laughs> Look, 
there's yeah, there's yeah, so so much hangs off the side of that, and I, I wonder how that exists as a practical proposal versus how that exists as a kind of a a statement on how value should work. Yeah, I mean, I don't I know. Look, I, hope, I hope I'm go- I hope I'm going somewhere with that. You 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 talk. Open your face. <laughs> uh, I think this is one of those things that in practice can be really difficult to do. Um, let's let, let, let's look at the example of planets. Well, you say, what, you, what you're saying is like who, who, who mandates it? Well, not necessarily who mandates it, but who is going to be okay with doing it. The biggest problem and the big, the, one of the biggest criticisms from Plan S, uh, the recent Nobel Prize winner in Norway, uh, Edward Moser, has come out to say that Plan S is a bad idea. This isn't a good thing if you if the if 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 one of the most respected academics in your country comes out to say this is a bad idea, uh, people actually listen to him. And one of the main reasons that he's saying is that I cannot attract the best researchers in the world, um, uh, particularly outside of Europe, because they're going to come and they're going to work in my lab, knowing that they can't pu- potentially publish in a few different journals. So when they go back to the US or or wh- wherever they're from. They're not going to have the opportunity to say, look at all these fancy things that I published because we're limited by these sort of things. And so, Plan S is only going to work. Uh, Plan S is an amazing idea if you plan on staying in Europe for the rest of your life. So, all these European agencies sign up to it. And then if you're already in a grant application, ERC grant application, and there's no science or, or nature papers in there, people aren't going to go, oh, you're not good enough for that. They're going to go, well, you weren't allowed to publish there. This is a completely different story. So, much of the same point. If certain countries come out to say, okay, we are mandating every single paper funded by our national agencies, only every project is only going to allow to, be, to, to, to publish two papers or institution comes out to say our institution is only going to let our academics, there's going to, there's going to be such a ruckus, much more than Plan S because people are going to go, we are at such a disadvantage because other people in different countries or different institutions can publish as much as they want. And when it comes to grants and jobs, I'm competing against people who can publish more. What if my productivity is so good that I can publish five quality papers a year? Not necessarily two. So, I think this is the biggest impediment. Unless you get everyone signing on, it's going to be really hard to get people to get excited about this. I would I would like a scheme. I've, I've talked about this in some capacity with different people. I would like a scheme where there was a f- strong focus on research work and there were young researchers who had very good support Younger, younger, younger than me. Definitely younger than you, or at least younger than how you look. <laughs> they had very good support. They had a very good uh, a kind of uh, facility backbone to work out of, and they did very good work, and they were very successful. And they published in the traditional sense, fucking nothing. Right? Yeah. They took all their own. They took all their own stuff, all the resources that they'd developed, all the conclusions that they'd drawn, all the words they'd put in order, and they left it somewhere where it was accessible. Not even necessarily with a, a, a not not even necessarily in a, a structure with a DOI or or anything like that. Or something like a GitHub, where it was just accessible. it was just there. Okay. I think I I, I think what this really needs is sort of like titular examples of. People who have, people who have made it through the gauntlet of extreme work-related unpleasantness without having to 
play that game at all. That would be not not even individual manuscripts, just the actual work itself in some format. Some fucking old HTML era website, whatever. <laughs> just as long as it was navigable and it existed. Um, I think you have to do something like that. But look, what you ju- what you just said is like if we have a shit proxy for quality and everyone's using it, and then other people, other people go from that standard into something else. I mean, one one response to that is what well, you could tell all of these people who are allegedly supposed to be getting jobs somewhere else that the people who were assessing them could read the fucking papers and find out whether or not they're any good in the first <laughs> instance. Right, because you could take that around with it. But look, you see, you see this, you see that attitude from senior scientists all the time. It's like I can't possibly hurt my trainees because they exist in this shitty fucking system. So I have to, I have to uh, play along with the shitty fucking system until something else changes. But in the meantime, I don't want to see them on the breadline. So essentially, until that changes, we're participants. Yeah, but, but okay. Look, but, I get to, the point, but does that sound like leadership to you? Yeah, but but for, for instance, to Moses' defense, how how can he possibly influence policy in the U.S.? He can influence policy in Norway, that's for sure. But he, he, he isn't not, able to actually. Dan, I'm not saying he can do anything about it. I don't expect him to get a green card, an AR-15, <laughs> and a bald eagle, and then turn up somewhere at LAX, going right. I'm here to set you fuckers straight. That's- flash, flash, flashing his Nobel, going, yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. We're, we're the, the big gold medal going through the scanner, and them asking, yeah, yeah. "What's that, <laughs> sir?" Yeah. <laughs> no, look, obvious. Obviously, you can't. And there's there's too many pieces, and there's too many elements for for. Look, look, even any given, the entire scientific body and apparatus of a given country, no matter which country it is, to influence what's happening everywhere else. Everything is is somewhat local. I mean, a little bit less so in Europe, but even, yeah. even so, it's governed by local institutions and local laws and local grant schemes and governments that are generally nation-specific. That's where things are set. So, I mean, if Uncle Sam decided to do that, it would probably change bugger all for the rest of the world, at least not for a long, a long while. So but look, it- I th- look, I think I think you need to start off. I mean, that's obviously these these things are stretching. You say, well dream, James, I like, got it. No more papers. Nothing but nothing but uh, nothing but freedom. Anarchy in the UK. <laughs> um look I think you need my my way to tackle that is what I I said before. It's building it's building counterexamples. Okay. I'd like to see I'd like to see someone get a faculty job with no papers. On the basis that- of the fact that they did a ton of work, the work was amazing. They stuck it in the public domain, and that was the end of the story. They can still go to conferences and talk about it and write it down in things. So, you, know, you do a post and get yeah, whatever. You do a platform presentation, yeah, whatever. But without like not even codifying it into a goddamn document and putting on the fucking masthead, etc., 16th century style. You could do you could do that in maths, I think. That, that that Japanese bloke who claims to have broken this impossible puzzle just posted it on some some random maths forum somewhere. Oh, and, that happens uh, in maths all the time. A lot of the time, they're still they're still yeah. manuscripts in some sense. I I think, but um, yeah, yeah, it's just you you just alert people when the work's gone so far as that you feel like the solution is set and it uh, represents its own. It, it it's it's its own work. Um. 
look, and I'm not saying, oh, throw it, throw, throw everything out. I try to change everyone's behavior <laughs> as much as I would, I would like to see someone in their early 30s get a faculty job with no papers. I think if there was a way to engineer that, that would be where we need to start a conversation. We start the conversation of the success <laughs> of someone who thrives inside that system while not playing its stupid fucking game about doing a million things in order. Okay, host listeners, yeah, you want you know anyone. A, you want a radical proposal? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is look, if if we had any good collective ideas about how to organize and facilitate reform within how we understand publication, we might have fucking deployed them by now. Mm. Yeah? I mean, the internet's 30 years old. The connect, the proper modern connectivity between researchers who can talk on the phone and post on the same Usenet, et cetera, et cetera, is 40 to 50 years old. The, the, the idea that the, you live in a, an international community where you can call someone on the electric telephone is 100 years old. The journal is 400 or something years old. If there was an, an idea of like how how we can get what we want when it comes to rigor and quality and value, spending tax money responsibly, doing work that we like, that is useful, that we're collectively proud of, in a system where everyone's got something that is their own personal hobby horse for complaining about, I certainly do. If we if we had the collective will to stick all of the aggregate all of that boiling discontent with how it all worked and make a great big plan that everyone could follow, we might have tried it by now. Yeah. But human beings don't work like that, and neither do government institutions, and neither do transnational coalitions of how research shit fits together, and neither do journals, and neither do commercial organizations that publish and sell science for money. So, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm every time. Every time I talk about something like this, it makes me want to start doing. I hope that's the right. I hope that's the right response. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's just look. If all of this stuff is all of this stuff is presupposed. Every all the arguments about overpublication. You 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 remember chaos in the brickyard? What? It's a classic paper on overpublication, the literal topic that we're talking about right now. Yeah. Do tell. Okay. That paper is from 1973. Oh, wow. <laughs> that, that, that's when they were actually publishing two or three papers, sorry, two or three papers sorry, a year. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, I've got that completely wrong. It's 1963. Wow. Right? The careless brickmakers, the land became flooded with bricks. I've just looked it up. The land became flooded with bricks. It was necessary to organize more and more storage places called journals and more and more elaborate systems of bookkeeping to record the inventory and all this. The brick brickmakers retained their pride and skill and the bricks were of the very press quality. The production was ahead of demand and bricks were no longer made to order. The influence that the builders were almost destroyed. It became difficult to find the proper bricks for a task because one had to hunt amongst so many. It became difficult to find a suitable plot for construction of an edifice because the ground was covered with loose bricks. Became right, difficult that was in the to complete. 1963. Gee. The saddest of all, sometimes Far no out. effort was made to maintain the distinction between a pile of bricks and a new edifice. Bernhard Forscher. Mayo Clinic, wow. Rochester, 
Minnesota. Uh, I guess it's not a Minnesota. Ah. <laughs> full, full circle. It's very, very, very famous. It's just a little letter that was in Science magazine a while back. Mm, yeah, yeah, it, it rings a bell now. Okay, someone there's a, there's a whole um there's a whole uh like cartoon version of it as well that someone did a, a while back. It, it's it's kind of cool. You see these people; they lifted us out of those like rolling hills of just fucked up looking bricks. It's uh, it's 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 cool. <sighs> Look, you know the whole think global, act local kind of thing. Yeah, I mean people people who drive hemp and rattan cars say it a lot, <laughs> right? Yeah. Although, as much as I find their sandals ridiculous, they've got a fucking point. Sometimes I I wonder how much anyone will ever derive from talking about the grandest ideas within something like how how should it work and try to find something that you can do, that you can really dig your fingers into the flesh of and deploy. There's an awful lot of failed schemes. There's an awful lot of meetings that were the, the primary focus was to make sure that there was a, an additional meeting when it came to like, how <laughs> policy was set. You see this with look, nowhere, nowhere is this more common than research misconduct. Research misconduct, conference, something must be done, attendees, 40 extremely important vice provost, cockhead, whatevers, right? Yeah. Final conclusion. The final conclusion is that the following recommendations should be made. What? Right? More meetings. Yeah, and, the, yeah, and there's a series of recommendations and it always ends with, like, these recommendations will be forwarded to someone else who has to make the fucking decision. Yeah, it's nothing gets done. Right, so in the, in, the, in the absence of feeling completely paralyzed, in the absence of feeling like absolutely nothing can be done or it can be set on a policy level, obviously, and this is, you know, if, if any of you are familiar with my work, I obviously strongly recommend um, getting your teeth into something that you can actually control. It's look, it's good, it's good to have it's it's good to have the broad conversations. Where's it all going? It's good, it's good to point stuff out that's problematic at a, a kind of a co- collective level or a policy level. Yes, mm. but um, yeah. I don't think you're ever going to you, you can't you can't make your peace with it at least not until you're so incredibly senior that I'm not even allowed to knock on your office door in case my knuckles melt. <laughs> right? In the, That's why in it's the, good. In the but- meantime, like to emotionally navigate this, I strstrongly recommend doing. I guess that's the point we've got to with this podcast. I mean, you know, one of the things I really like about what we do. We have people on to talk about, a lot of the time, we have people to talk about a certain project that they did, a certain thing that they deployed that we think is interesting. Yeah. Not sort of like, well, let's all sit around and put the world to rights. How are you doing, Daniel? Well, I also have opinions. And man, I've got a lot of fucking opinions. But I really, that's, that's one of the things that I really like. I would like to have, I mean, if we weren't recording that, if we're talking to uh, Kristen, like last episode, or Amy, or Sean, or any of the other recent guests, I would have that conversation in the complete absence of this microphone and your enormous, bulbous, yes. swollen face. <laughs> Absolutely, these people but, are doing some really cool stuff. And but that's 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 the thing. Like, if there's one of the, if there's one way to 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 navigate the whole idea of reform in the first place, it's the focus on the actual specific tasks that are in front of you that you can do 
actually doing stuff. Yeah, so I don't know. Look, maybe maybe all of this is utterly wrong-headed, and I'm a horrible person. I'm just. I, I also look. A couple of weeks ago, there's a backstory to me being horrible about this. Um, I I burned myself out um, reading uh, old research ethics symposiums and summits. Uh, How old? A lot of the time, a, a lot of the time, you know, you 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 have a a, a large conference full of uh, important worthies. And uh, fancy men and women get into the room. They make uh, lots of fancy decisions. They write a big, long, fancy report. And they are big old reports. Yes? And then I can find one that's reasonably interchangeable from a couple of years after that. And so on yeah. again, again, and again, and again, and again. And they had one uh, at Ohio State last year. And I went through, I was probably the only person in the whole world who watched their online <laughs> symposium thing that they released because it was a five gigabyte unedited video file. Top fucking AV presentation, the Ohio State. Well done on that. Do you know they tried to trademark the? I heard that. <laughs> Didn't yeah, within, within the context within the context of their their logo, I mean, it sounds a lot more ridiculous than it is. Or within the context, oh, okay. of, uh, like they're going to turn it into a brand. It's going to have a format. They're going to stick yeah. it on a shirt. It was because they were fighting with Oklahoma State University. But you know, that's the, the that's 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 the, the kind of shit that they get up to when they're not having enormous conferences to make the exact same conclusions that people have made a lot of different times before. So you know, you want to navigate that. What's the best thing to do? Well, get out and find a study. And if you find a problem with it, you take a stick and you hit it. That's how mm. I don't get bummed out with reading those reports. Mm. I should probably stop reading the fucking things. Um, <laughs> yeah. This, uh, look, I'll, 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 send, I'll send you the link to my twats. No one, no one, paid, no one paid the slightest bit of attention, of course, because, I mean, I record some of these things in public sometimes for- I suppose for my own future interest as much as like, people might give a shit and pay attention. Yeah. Um, but it's, I'm, I'm not particularly concerned if they don't, I'm just, you know, of, who, yeah. we should really get on a historian of science, an actual proper science historian on the show. Fucking A. Out. We should do it. Hmm. Oh. Um, just to figure out. What, yes, we you know, should. It, it, it's, it's with reproducibility, uh, with open science, open science stuff has been, has been proposed since the sixties. No, actually, the first time I actually saw it was um, uh, nineteen oh one. Um, the who was the bloke that was really keen on eugenics? The statistician Jeffrey Dahmer. No, the other the, the other the other one. <laughs> they're, they're, oh, what's his name? Anyway, one of one of one of one of those one of those blokes. Uh, first issue of Biometrica, basically saying, "Hey, we need open data." Nineteen oh one. Nineteen oh one. Go- open data, Galton? Huh? Fra- Fra- Francis Galton? Have I completely messed that up? No, I don't think so. Wasn't Carl Pearson a eugenicist? Uh, I, th- I think a lot of those, a lot of that crew <laughs> were, 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 were keen on that. Anyway, uh, 1901. Right. Oh, like you're, you're developing the ways of cutting the human experience into numbers in the first place. You start to think a little bit less about what would happen if you just sort of kill all the poor because they're ruining the metrics. <laughs> um, I always imagine these people in wigs for some reason, like they were old judges. But back okay, in the day, I've looked it up. I've looked it up, Dan, and you might be right with Galton. Yeah, 1901. Uh, first, for he's. He was the editor of Biometrica, first issue, and makes a call going, we need to be able to verify what people are saying in their papers. 
um, that the, the, the data should be made available. Um, but I think back then it was more realistic because when you were doing stuff, um, the you know it, a lot of the stuff was basic physiology where you can get away with doing it with ten or twenty people. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. But the 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 whole, the whole point was these ideas aren't new, and we keep revisiting them. So I want to talk to a historian of science to figure out um, what what is going on. But we we are getting a, <laughs> a bit off the tracks here. So I think we're going to wrap up for this. <laughs> we're going to wrap Fuck up for this tracks. episode. Anarchy. <laughs> Any ideas for historians of science? Um, let us know. Um, soon we yeah anyway we, we got some cool people coming up that 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 that'll line up with future guests but thank you thank you for listening to this episode and this show uh, any suggestions for future guests or future episodes please uh, get in contact probably the easiest way is via the contact form on our website which is everythinghurts.com, which is supported by all our generous Patreon supporters who get an extra bonus episode a month, which is awesome. If you can't get enough of, uh, of Hurts, two episodes a month, you can get the third one through can't Patreon. get enough. Oh, can't get if enough. Only we had, if we had more time to record, the additional ones would probably be worse. <laughs> 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 And, and any 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 final words, James? Before we uh, before we head off. No, man. I've um. I I hope I haven't completely disgraced myself here today. I'm I'm a, <laughs> that, that, I'm that, that, that's odd, our goal. I'm an odd combination of uh, mentally mentally together, but still physically still quite compromised from uh, everything that's happened in the last little while. So yeah. You know, if I if it's if it's all too voluble and I'm wrong, then please try to tell me nicely. I too have a feeling. There's one in there, a single feeling. Yeah, <laughs> I give him a name Thank- sometimes. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll be back again soon, uh, in, uh, in in about two weeks with a new episode. Bye for now. <laughs>